Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. We've been in a series uh, in our church, and it's more than a series, it's really a word uh, that we're coming around for this year. We said this is the year that we're going to Mm, say it with your chest. Stretch out. This is the year for you to stretch out. This is the year for our church to stretch out. And if you want the series in a sentence, in case you don't want to do the work and go to YouTube and watch all the ones that you missed, here's the series in a sentence. Often, God will put something that is within your reach, but beyond your grasp, so that you'll have to stretch in order to obtain it. He'll put something that is within your reach, but beyond your grasp. So you've got to stretch and trust him to take a hold of it. And we're saying this year, God, stretch us. No matter how much it hurts, stretch us out. And I told you, by the end of this year, I'm going to be able to touch my toes. My jacket is a little tight, but I'm getting there. Because I'm trying to grow in my flexibility for God to do what he wants to do in me and through me. So that's what we've been talking about. And this is the climactic conclusion of that series, but that is still our word for the year. Somebody say stretch out. But today, let's, let's do the stretch out, close out. Uh, go and meet to Joshua chapter one, Joshua chapter one. If you don't got a Bible, it's gonna be on the screen. Joshua chapter one, and I'm gonna look at verses one through nine. Joshua chapter one. Start at verse number one, we'll land at verse number nine. When you're ready to read, say yeah. yeah. If you're not ready, say, hold up. I heard a few hold ups. I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait. Joshua chapter one. And it says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Who, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you, Joshua, yeah, you with all your insecurities, yeah, you with all your trepidation, yeah, you who is straight up skirt, You will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Good Lord, how many times does God have to say be strong and courageous? He must be really trying to get something across to him. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you 
wherever you go. Can somebody say amen? Come on, that's good all by itself. I love when the scripture's just good. Matter of fact, God bless you. It's been so good worshiping with you today. Oh, it's good stuff. I, uh, I'm going to preach today, and I want to use a title that I believe should have been the 11th commandment. I'm going to have you look at your neighbor and say it. I want you to look at your neighbor, whichever one you choose, look at them right in their face with an attitude. Just look at them right now. Say, neighbor. Some of y'all act like I can't see you. You know I can see you when you don't look at your neighbor. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, thou shall move on. Ooh, that's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to talk about. Come on, find you another neighbor. Find you another neighbor. Come on, say, other neighbor. You my second option. But I got a commandment for you. Thou shall move on. Somebody needs to shout because you've been stuck in something and you just needed that title. That season is over. That relationship is over. That year was over. The word of the Lord to you is thou shall move. I've cried enough tears. I've sat by myself. I've rehearsed it. I've said, how could they done it? But now it's time for me to move on. Y'all better be careful. I feel like preaching today. Father, have your way. Speak to us today. Amen. You can sit down now. You can sit down. Thou shalt move on. Did you survive? Did you survive the snow apocalypse? You survived it. We survived it too. We did not go anywhere Thursday. We were iced in the house with our three little humans. And uh, I don't know what it is. It's something about being trapped inside the house that makes you address areas, nooks, crannies, and closets in your house that you've never actually taken the time to see what is living and breathing in that closet. And I did that during our time when we were ice stand. And I found something that I didn't even know I had. Found in our media closet some footage, some footage that to me, could possibly be a national treasure. I don't know. We'll see what God does with the church. But I found footage. I found footage of the first sermon I preached when I was a young buck in Bible college. I found footage of the very first sermon I preached when I was just in Bible college. And I should let you know that on that sermon, I got a C plus. C plus, yes. Now, don't get me wrong. I got my degree, but on that sermon, I got to see. You are listening to an average preacher today, okay? I, I found that footage, and I thought it'd be fun today uh, to show you that footage. How many of you like to see the footage of the first sermon I preached when I was just a young buck in Bible college? Can y'all bring my big screen TV real quick? Bring my big screen. I want to make sure every person, especially y'all way in the back, I want to make sure y'all see this footage. Bring my, bring my big screen real quick. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I want y'all to see the footage of the first sermon I preached when I was in Bible college. Here it is right here. I want you to see this footage. 
Man, I love that y'all are clapping. But what I love about our church is we are a multicultural church, but we're also a multi-generational church. It's a multi-generational church. So just for a moment, just for a moment, all of my baby boomers, all of my Gen Xers, uh, my fellow millennials, uh, y'all can disengage from the message right now. Y'all can disengage. All you Gen Zers who are up in here, yeah, born 1996, I need y'all to pay attention right now. This right here, this is a VHS. It's a VHS. I know, I know. This was the original Netflix. This right here is a VHS cassette. Down, sound stands for Video Home System. This right here is VHS. And I feel sorry for y'all Gen Zers. I really do. Because all you know is just clicking on Netflix. You don't even know nothing. You ain't lived like, you don't know what it's like on a Friday night to pull up to a building that had blue background, yellow Letters called Blockbuster Video. You don't even know what it's like to walk through there. No clicking. You had to peruse aisles and look for what you wanted to watch. You know, you will never experience the incredible sound of popping open a VHS tape. You don't know nothing about that. You don't even know the frustration of what it is to have your popcorn set put in the VHS in the VCR and have a spoiler alert because the person before you that rented the video didn't pay attention to the sticker that said be kind. Be kind. Oh no, look at all the Gen Zers, huh? What? Huh? Get on my nerves. This VHS, I'm gonna show you. Woo. The first sermon I preached when I was just a young buck in Bible college. But look at me, Stacy Adams tie preaching. Right there in Bible college, got a C on that. Can y'all see back there? Can y'all see my big screen? And, and I have to be honest with you, what is embarrassing, what is embarrassing about this entire illustration is not that I got a C. It's not the pants that I'm wearing while I'm preaching. What is embarrassing about this illustration is that our team did not have to go get this TV with the VCR still on it. This was in my house, y'all. I still have a TV with a VCR. This was in a closet in my house, has been with me for years. I still have hundreds of VHS tapes that I am still holding on to. I don't have to go anywhere to get it. It is embarrassing that I still have a piece of technology and equipment that they stopped producing in 1996. Why? Well, the answer is simple. I'm facing the conundrum, the predicament of wanting to hold on to the footage that is so valuable to me. But I want to hold on to the footage without having to do the work of transitioning this footage into an updated format. You realize that I could hold on to the footage and just take it to a place that would transition the footage into a format that I would not have to keep this TV that is taking up space and dust in my house. But it is so much easier to keep the old equipment, to keep the old format, instead of updating and transitioning the footage. What I'm sharing with you today is actually the problem that I see happening in the Capital C Church. The Capital C Church has fallen more in love with the format through which God moves 
instead of the actual footage of what God is doing. What do you mean by footage? When I say footage, footage is the thing that will not change. Footage is the thing that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Footage is the thing that is valuable, the thing that cannot be moved, the thing that cannot be shaken. Footage is things like the infallible, inerrant, incorruptible, unchanging word of God. That is the foot. Footage is the doctrine that we hold on to that will not ever change. Footage is believing in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Footage is knowing that Jesus was the only only son of the living God, that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, that he was birthed through a virgin named Mary, that he was crucified and died, went down into hell and took the keys of death and rose on the third day and is currently seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. That is the footage that will never change. Footage is believing in the communion and the gathering of the saints. That is the footage. The stuff that won't change. However, the format will often change. And the tension that many people run into is falling in love with the format instead of holding on to the footage. The footage is the stuff that won't move. Can I tell you as a church, we are more committed to the footage than we are the format. Oh, I'm telling you, that's why I kept it running. Because the same Robert that was preaching right there on VHS is the same Robert that will preach on Blu-ray, is the same Robert that will preach on Instagram Live, on Facebook Live, the same Robert that will preach if there's another shutdown. I'm committed to the footage. So I'll stand in an empty room and still preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am committed to the footage, not the fo I will preach on TikTok, wherever it is. I will launch a campus on the metaverse and call it social meta, and I'll be preaching... I'm committed to the footage, but the format will always be fluid. God will often change the format, but he wants you to hold true to the footage, the stuff that won't ever change. In my text today, we are looking at a transition, not from the footage, what God has chosen to do with his people, but we're looking at a transition in the format through which God is going to do it. And this format shifts with the first verse in Joshua chapter 1 where the Bible says, Moses is dead. Moses is dead. When we read it, I didn't hear a single person in this room gasp for air. I didn't hear a single person in this room go, <sighs> because you have the luxury of emotionally disengaging from this ancient text of Scripture. But in order for me to feel this text, I had to feel what the children of Israel felt when they heard the news that Moses was dead. Moses was dead. God was changing the format. Moses was dead. When I read Moses was dead, my mind went back to the first time I visited the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, Tennessee. And there in Memphis, Tennessee, they did such a beautiful job. The Lorraine Motel... There's a memorial that is still there. And when you walk through it, you can actually see what Dr. Martin Luther King's room looked like in that hotel just before he was assassinated. 
You see the chaos of what ensued after he was killed, after he was assassinated. That's where my mind went. I pictured what it would have been like to be in that time, April 4th, 1968, when Dr. King, the greatest orator and leader perhaps that we have ever seen, the one who probably knew it was about to happen because he prophesied it in a speech and said, I might not get there with you, but we as a people, we will make it into the promised land. I've seen the glory of God. He knew his spirit somehow knew it was going to happen, but that did not deny the reality that when it happened, the earth stood still because MLK was gone. I had to feel that. That is what the children of Israel felt when they found out Moses was there. It reminded me of what I felt on January 26, 2020, when I am headed to the Granada Theater to preach social night before it was ever social church. And before I pull up in the parking lot, I get a text that says, Kobe Bryant just died and you felt it in the room that night and it had to be addressed and for days news outlets began to cover somebody who played basketball and people who didn't even watch basketball were crying why because it hurts when you lose somebody that you love but whenever greatness dies the earth stands still it's as if there's a void, there is a chasm in the earth whenever greatness dies. It, it reminded me of the moment when I found out Chadwick Bosman died. Taylor was there in the car with me. I started crying like a little boy, and I didn't even have the words to express the emotions, and I started crying. And it was after I cried that I realized what I was feeling because I didn't realize his greatness touched me. His great, I want to pause right here and tell somebody who might be contemplating suicide, you don't know who your life has touched. You don't know who your life has impacted. You don't have a clue who's watching you and just your strength to stand is speaking to them. I didn't even realize till after he died. I never shook his hand, but I cried tears because his greatness touched me because as a grown man for the first time, I saw a superhero that actually looked like me. I love Batman. I love Superman, but I didn't look like that. I couldn't do my hair like that. But when I saw Chadwick, he looked like me. I didn't realize his greatness impacted me because when greatness dies, everybody pauses. So when you hear Moses is dead, you go, ah, but the children of Israel were devastated. Moses is, Moses, this is the dude that told Pharaoh, frogs going to hit all y'all's bathrooms tomorrow. That water going to turn into blood. This is the dude that threw down a staff. It turned into a snake. He picked the snake up and it went back to us that Moses was off the chain. This is the dude that walked into Pharaoh's palace while they're playing the music and eating the grapes. Kicked open the door and said, Pharaoh, cut the music off. <laughs> Flapped his coat like Samuel Jackson. God said, God said, let my You know, I had a stutter. We, we want to leave. This is Moses. He was a living legend. Nobody did what Moses did. Who else but Moses led them all the way to the Red Sea, had them feel the elation of their freedom. Then all of a sudden, Pharaoh changes his mind. It's chasing all of them. And the Red Sea's in front of them. And they're looking at Moses like, what you going to do? He's like, hold up. Let me talk to him real quick. Are you for real? Did you bring us all the way out here to kill us? And God said, calm down. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What is in? 
your hand. And this mighty warrior, this leader, lifts up his staff. And water splits. This is Moses. You understand every other prophet that came before him, God spoke to them through visions and dreams, but not Moses. He said, Moses, I'm going to speak to you face to face. You're going to see my glory. Nobody was like, Moses. Moses is the man that went on the mountain and the earth shook and smoke was everywhere. So what happens when all of a sudden the Moses that always went up to the mountain and always came back down it's not coming down now. Moses is dead. And the children of Israel are at the bottom of the mountain, devastated, weeping, crying tears because they miss him. Who, if I had time, I would really work this text and let you know that they weren't just crying tears because they missed him. I think they were also crying tears of regret because of how they treated him when he was alive. Isn't it funny? The dude you boohooing about now is the dude you were complaining about his leadership when he was there. You were the people that said, do you know where you going? You got us out here in the wilderness. We should go back. To they were complaining all the time. But now that he's gone, you realize the power of his leadership. See, it's funny. Sometimes the people that are jealous of other people that always got a critical commentary to say about somebody that's in a position that you're jealous of that you actually want to be in. Do you know what I pray sometimes? I pray God gives you the position. Yeah. I really do. I really do. All of you that hate on pastors and leaders, if I was a leader, if I had a church, if I was the president, I pray he makes you president just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. So when you get in the Oval Office and you see some of the stuff that's coming across your desk, you will shut your mouth and pray for people that are in positions because you don't know the weight Preach, Robert. You don't know what they handle it? All you Sunday afternoon quarterbacks, why he throw the ball, I pray God put you in the game and let a 400-pound dude be coming straight at you and see what you would have done. Shut up. Don't even realize the weight of what it costs to be here. And now you boo-hooing. Oh, we didn't know Moses. We really, you know, you was good. And God lets them cry. He lets them cry for 30 days. And then he speaks to Joshua and says, all right, that's enough. He's dead. Hold up, you missed it. How gangster is that? God states an obvious to Joshua. He knew Moses was dead. But the first word God says to him, hey, you know he's dead. What are you doing, God? I'm letting you know he is not coming back down. And I gave you a season to mourn, which was critical. I'm not dismissing that there will never be another Moses. But I am letting you know that your mourning cannot stop you from moving. I'm letting you know that if you stay stuck in your sorrow, you will not move into the promise and the place that I've already prepared for you. So dry your eyes, lift up your head, Joshua. Moses is not coming back. I know he did a lot of miracles, but he ain't doing this one right here. That chapter is over. You need to get the commandment that he has given you in his absence. Thou shalt move Thou shalt move. He is not coming back. I want to pause right here for somebody that is still crying at the bottom of a mountain of a season that is over in your life. And God's saying, you can be mourning and still moving. Thou shalt move. I'm talking to somebody that somebody broke up with you five years ago and you 
are still crying about the breakup and the divorce. And God said, yes, it broke your heart, but thou shalt move. Move on. Move on. I'm not denying your feelings. I know it hurt, but you can be mourning and still moving. You can be crying and still drying your eyes, but still saying today is another day. And as long as God has given me a pulse, I still got a purpose. Thou shalt move on. If you don't accept seasons that are over, doors that he's closed, you will miss out on the promise of the land that has already been promised to your ancestors. And you can't stay stuck here. I had a flash picturing them at the mountain. Can you see them at the mountain looking up? It took me straight to the New Testament when Jesus pulled the same move. Remember? After he got up from the grave, you know he got up again. You know he got up again, like he ascended. Didn't even tell him he was about to. He was literally talking and said, you know, I love y'all. Uh, you good? And he just <laughs> pulled a Mary Poppins. Just <laughs> you remember that in scripture? Jesus just levitated, just left. And these jokers were like, And an angel had to come down and say, hey, why y'all standing there? This same Jesus who you saw leave, he's going to come back again. In the meantime, thou shall move on. Go to an upper room and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I know it seems bad, but it's about to get better because now the presence is not limited to one body on earth, Jesus. Now the Spirit is about to fall on every single one of y'all, and I'm going to move through you, and my purpose will be accomplished in the earth. Thou shalt. Ooh, y'all recording this? I'm going to watch it later. still been there now if that angel hadn't came down and did what Joshua had to do which was to look at the people and say hey he's dead thou shall move on and so now Joshua has the daunting task hear me of first getting past his own insecurities and leading a people in the tension of transition that's point number one if you're going to ever move on You've got to learn to live in the tension of transition. The tension of transition. Joshua chapter 1 is the biggest transition in your Bible. You realize in Jewish synagogues today, they read the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the Torah, but they don't read the book of Joshua because in the book of Joshua, it's a transition. God spends the first five books of the Old Testament giving law, legislation, giving the covenant. The covenant is established in the first five books of the Old Testament. But when we flip over to the book of Joshua, now the covenant must be expressed. You've been wandering around a mountain, wandering around the wilderness for years. Now I'm going to transition you from walking and wandering to actually being established. You're about to have homes that you didn't build. I'm about to give you a territory. You are no longer going to be pitching tents everywhere you go. You're about to be homeowners and landowners. I am giving you a strong foundation foundation to stand. Y'all ain't paying rent no more. You are getting your own property. I'm your landlord now. Oh, that just came to me. Landlord. It's a transition. Joshua, Joshua is a transition. And Joshua has the arduous task of leading a people in the tension of transition. Can you imagine trying to get people who are stuck to Moses to go Come on, that is a hard job. Ooh. The, the reason it's a hard job is because people do not like to change. 
oh, this is my new year, I'm going to change. No, it ain't. <laughs> How's your New Year's resolution going for you right now? People don't like to change. People have to be forced to change. You know how many churches for years are like, I ain't doing no online church. I ain't doing no online church. You know, you need to gather. That's a problem. And a shutdown. It's okay. Somebody get the media team. Let's figure out how the Wi-Fi goes. <laughs> Should have been doing it a long time ago. But now, because they were forced to change, they have to change. You know how many pastors I've seen in church? No, we ain't doing no online giving. Uh-uh, write a check. That's more spiritual. And they realized giving went up when people could actually give online. You know what? Change it. Change it. Go ahead and give online then. People don't like to change. People get stuck. People do like I used to do when I would travel. I would go to the same restaurants in a different city that I go to here in Dallas for familiarity. As if the Cheesecake Factory in Chicago <laughs> is different than the Cheesecake Factory here. Isn't it crazy? It's because I wanted the same, but just in a different setting. Do you want the same, just in a different setting, but you really don't want to change? I learned you can't go to the same restaurant, call a foodie in the city, and let them tell you the hole-in-the-wall spot that nobody knows about but actually has better cheesecake. But Joshua's got to lead them in the tension of transition, and they've got to stretch forward. And the Holy Spirit gave me this picture so strongly, and I don't know who this is for, because we've been talking about stretching, right? And some of you have been stretching like this. Because you are stretching trying to hold on to what was and still trying to reach for the promise that God has for you. And no wonder you feel like you're being torn apart because God never told you to hold on to what was and still reach for what is. Sooner or later, you got to forsake what is behind you and let it stretch you into what is ahead. But it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to feel weird. But it's the tension of transition. So he says, Joshua, you got to lead them in the tension of transition. And then look at what he says. Every place your foot treads upon, I'm giving you. Oh, that blessed me. Watch what he says. Every place your, he talks about his footage. The format has changed. Moses is dead. New format, that's you. I know you're insecure. That's all right. Be strong and courageous. Format has changed, but every place you set your foot, I'm gonna give you. If every place your foot treads upon, that's gonna be yours. I love that he said that. You know why? Because I've learned something about church people. I know y'all been raised in church my whole life. I love that he said every place your foot treads upon, you'll get. Because you know what I've learned about church people? We love to spiritualize things so much that we will spiritualize something out of practicality. Because we love the sovereignty of God. God has sovereignty. He can do what he wants. That's what that means. But we hate human responsibility. Like, you, you do it all. Just do it. I'm waiting on the Lord. No, no, no. Every place, your foot treads. Not God's feet, your feet. I really make it plain. Here's, here's what it is. Some of y'all super spiritual people. God has a land promise for you, told you every place your foot treads, and here's what you do. You get in a trance and get on your knees. So, oh, God, I thank you. Ooh, -ba -ba -ba. Thank you for every piece of territory you've given me. God, I thank you. You'll call out the land. Ooh, the Euphrates. Hallelujah. That's mine. Thank you for the territory. Oh, you're so spiritual. But what did he say? Every place your what? Your foot. Where are my feet? 
my feet are in the air. And that's what we got a bunch of up in the air believers who have no territory because they don't realize sometimes you got to get off of your knees and pray. Sometimes you got to say, yeah, I'm praying, but I'm also going to fill out the application too. Yes, I'm praying, but I'm also going to go back to school too. Yes, I'm praying, but I'm also going to go for the interview too because every place my foot treads, you better get off your knees and pray. You, you, better, you better get to step. I don't care if you pledged. If you want the territory, you better start stamping. Because it's only, it's only the area that I step that I get. So that blessed me, y'all. It blessed me that he's already got a place for me. It blessed me that I have to step. I'm with you. But the part that jacked me up was what he says after he gives the dimensions. I'm almost done. He says, I'm giving you the land. You better step into it. But then he says, it's Hittite territory. Excuse me, God, Savior, I'm confused. Because you told me that it's mine. You said it's my territory. But in the same sentence, you're telling me there are people there. All the, all, the, all the ites were in there. Hittites, Amorites, Jebusites, Termites, all them ites. All them ites are in the territory that he's given them. This makes no sense. If it is mine, give it to me. Give it to me. What, what, what do you mean people are there? Because if thou shalt move on, you got to learn to live in the tension of transition. But you also have to know the inevitability of opposition. The inevitability of opposition. Yes, it's yours, but it is currently occupied. And if you don't get anything else I say today, somebody needs to hear this. Stop thinking that opposition is a sign that the territory is not for you. Stop thinking that just because the door is closed, God does not have the space for you. This is the lazy spirituality that we have inherited in our generation where we think that every open door has to be God. I came to tell you that Satan is a good door opener too. Oh, I have seen Satan open up some good doors that look good at a distance. But once I started praying and put some Holy Ghost on it, God said, don't you dare set your foot in that open door. That is a trap door. But there are some doors that are closed and you're going to have people in the land. But just because there is opposition does not mean that that is the place that God does not have for you. Opposition is inevitable. It is inevitable. Stop thinking because there's people in the land of oh God, remove the people. I ain't removing the people. You got to go fight if you're going to take. God put squatters in their territory. Squat you know what a squatter is, right? A friend of mine told me this. It blew my mind. A friend of mine had some property and had people living in his property that had got like the lights on in their name and all that. And he's like, yeah, I got to go get these people out of my property. I said, yeah, I, I would do that. Get them out. He said, yeah, but no, I got to get a lawyer and stuff. I got to get an eviction notice. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah. He said, squatters have rights. I said, huh? Have you heard of this? Do you know that squatters have rights? That people can get in a property that your name is on the title, is your property, but if they move up in there and put their furniture in there, they have rights? 
Squatters have rights. And the reason squatters have rights is because our justice system does not want vigilante justice. They don't want you to go in there and catch a case. So they say, go through the pro proper protocol and have somebody with more power and more authority go in for you. Let somebody with greater authority walk in and get them out of what has always been yours in the first place. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? You got to talk to the right authority. Now I understand the Battle of Jericho. No wonder they walked around those walls seven times and didn't say anything but open up their mouth and shout because they let God serve the eviction notice and those walls came down, but it was still theirs. Opposition is inevitable. Stop thinking that because the door is closed, it's not yours. Are y'all bored? I'm done, but can I be incredibly vulnerable and so honest with you? It's just Pastor Robert talking. We might edit this off the YouTube sermon. How many know here at Social Dallas, God is going to blow our minds with a building. He is supernaturally going to give us a building. Okay, 10 of y'all had faith. I said God is going to blow our mind supernaturally with our own building, with our own space. And I've been declaring it, I've been saying it. This year, God's gonna blow our mind. And then, I've been stepping too. So you can't just pray about it. So I called up some real estate agents and said, just start looking for stuff, just start looking. They said, what's the budget? I said, whatever, we good. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you the truth. So they've been looking, they've been looking. And uh, th there's one area in Dallas that is right in the heart of downtown. And this is what I've been praying, is God open up a door that people would have to look and say, only God got them that building. Only God, that's I don't want no, I don't want anything that is plausible, that is feasible, that you can look and say, oh yeah, they, yeah, no, no. I want something that is so ridiculous that people would have to go, only God could have done that. So there's, I, I found that property, I found that property and um, we, we started talking about it and getting our feelers out. And it just so happened that an architect, an architect that we met uh, back when we were at uh, uh, Granada Theater, he said, hey, sends me an email out of the blue. says, hey, I hear that Social Dallas, I'm going to read his email like I heard him talking. I hear that Social Dallas is looking to acquire this particular property. I said, yes, we are. I'm so glad that you heard that. He said, uh, I would love to talk to you about it. He said, I would love to talk to you. He said, uh, I, I know people that are on that board. I've been getting notes on that property. And he said, uh, I'd like to talk to you about it and see what notes you have on the property. I didn't have no notes on that property. My note was like, we need to build it. <laughs> and so he said, let's talk. Let's talk on Friday. Let's talk on Friday so we can see what's going to happen. In fact, let me, just, let me just show you what this property is. Let me, can you put that on the screen? Put that on the screen. That that's, that's, the, that's the property right there. That's the property. That is the YMCA. Right in the heart of downtown, right in the heart of downtown Dallas. And I heard they were looking to sell it. And now I got a guy calling me to see my notes and his notes. And let's talk about it. I said, this is about to be a miracle. So he calls me. He's like, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> he said, uh, so um, you guys are growing. God is it. Because you realize this is a need. This is a need. We are capping people like kids. We got people all the way back there. Couldn't even see my screen because y'all way back there in the back. We, we need a space. On the 27th, we don't have a building. We're doing watch parties online. And you better find a watch party to watch. Amen. Because we're committed to the footage. The format can change. So we're still going to have church on the 27th. It's just going to be online. <laughs> but we need it. We need a space. And so we said, uh, yeah, I was curious. What, what notes do you have on this property? 
I said, uh, before I share mine, what, what notes do you have on this property? <laughs> I'm telling the truth. He said, well, I actually found out um, that they were looking to sell it, uh, but now for whatever reason, uh, they're not. It's, 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 on, it's on pause. It's on hold. And man, I got off that phone and I had an attitude. I was like, God, for real. You got me out here looking crazy, speaking faith. It's like, oh. And God said, what were you expecting? Uh, well, expecting them to say that it's on sale and it's half off. What do you think I was expecting? And he took me to Joshua chapter 1. And he said, every place that was already theirs always had opposition and always had somebody in the land. It was always there. So after I got over my attitude, can I testify and tell you what I did? After I stopped having an attitude, I didn't have it first service. I want to make sure I show you so you realize I ain't just saying stuff. After I stopped having an attitude, after I realized that every piece of property God ever gave people, there was always somebody occupied. You know what I did? I went right down to the YMCA and I got me a membership. I got me a membership to the YMCA. Uh, holla at your boy. If you want to join me, it's $42 a month. I went and got me a membership, and I wish you would have seen me getting my Joshua on at the YMCA. That girl, she said, would you like to see the facility? I said, yes, I would. I'm walking around that facility pulling the Joshua. I'm telling you. She's like, would you like to see the gym? I was like, yep. That'd be a good sanctuary. She said, would you like to see the water pool? I said, yep. We could baptize people there. She showed me the Pilates room. I said, oh, we can do social DNA over there. Because sooner or later, you got to start stepping in the places that you believe in God for. The opposition is not a sign that it's not for you. I need somebody to give 10 seconds of crazy praise if you're thankful that God will give you every place that you're... Stop seeing the opposition as a sign that it's not for you. Get to stepping, thou shalt move on. And I can't even tell you the war I had even sharing this with you right now. But I wanted to share it and I wanted to put the picture up there because I don't know who's watching this and our story is still being written. And you don't know what God has for you. But just because there are giants and people in the land does not mean that it's not for you. Opposition is inevitable. Matter of fact, if you hadn't had a door slam in your face, it might not be God. You think the enemy just gonna hand over? You gotta fight. So no wonder he tells Joshua, be strong, be courageous. And Joshua would have messed up if he did what so many of us do. Because whenever we have opposition, What's the first thing we say? Why? Why is this coming against me? That's the wrong question. Whenever you face opposition to a territory that is yours, to a marriage that is yours, to a child that you believe in God for to come back, whenever there's opposition, instead of asking why is this coming against me, you need to ask yourself, who is with me? Who is with me? That's the only promise he could hold on to. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Joshua, thou shalt move on. Moses is dead, but I'm not dead. 
The mission must continue even though Moses is gone. Moses' absence is screaming to you, thou shall move on because I'm with you. You got to live in the tension if you're going to move on. You got to know the inevitability of opposition. But you also got to know the power of God's presence. That's the only thing we have, y'all. I don't know where the modern day church has gotten it twisted that we'll never have obstacles, that we'll never have suffering. He never promised us no suffering. And I apologize for any preacher that stand by, stood behind the pulpit and told you that God promised you health and wealth and you'll never go through anything. That is a lie. In this world, you will have trouble. But the promise we got to hold on to in the face of opposition is I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm with you. He tells them I'm with you. In other words, know the power of my presence. But he gives them one more command. This is how you become strong and courageous. You know I'm with you. That's how you're strong and courageous. I'm with you. But then he says, do not let my word depart from you. He said, meditate on it day and night. Don't let it leave your lips. He said, it's not enough for me for you to just know that I'm with you if my word does not guide, govern, and guard your life. Some of you, you want to be successful? It is as plain as day in this text. Obey his word. Obey his word. Start meditating on his word day and night. That word meditate, do you know what the imagery of that word meditate is? It's literally of a cow that chews its food. And you will never see a cow chew its food and then just swallow it. They have multiple stomachs. That cow will be chewing that food, swallow it, throw it right back up in its own mouth, chew it again, swallow it, throw it right back up in its own mouth, and keep chewing, savoring every mm flavor. That's how you got to get with the Word of God. You have to savor it. He said meditate on it day and night. Mm. Mm. That's what I love about the Word of God because there's scriptures that I have read for years and for years and for years and right when I think I know it, mm, right when I think I swallowed it, mm, I'll read that thing again and it'll hit me and I'll be like, ooh, I didn't see it like that because God's Word is the only book that you can keep on reading it and still be getting stuff out of it because it is a powerful word. It is an active word. You got to meditate on it day and night. When I heard that word meditate, it took me all the way back to Psalms 1. I know it's Joshua 1. You remember Psalms 1? Mm, I meditated on that. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In that law does he mm, meditate both day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaf does not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. You got to meditate on that word if you want to be successful. As you meditate, you get courage and you get strength. Be strong and courageous. How? Because I'm with you. And you have my word in you. And once you have that, you have the courage and the strength you need to move on. I'm going to ask every person to stand to your feet.
I ask every head be bowed, all eyes be closed. I want to talk to somebody today that needs to move on. Somebody that has been weeping over a Moses that is not coming back. Somebody that has been in mourning. And hear me, God is so in tune with your feelings. Please don't ever think that you can't bring your feelings to God. He created your feelings. He created you. It's okay to have sorrow. It's not okay to stay stuck. It's okay to be mourning. It's not okay to stop moving. God is a God of movement. Moses died, but the mission had to continue. I'm so thankful God has allowed Pastor Taylor and I to pastor this church. It's been the greatest joy. It's the church that I never asked for. <laughs> but God dropped it in our lap. And the thing that gives me confidence, the thing that keeps me going even when it gets tough, is to know that this is so much bigger than me. Do you have a purpose that is bigger than you? If what you want to do is only going to affect you, I dare say it might not be from God. But do you have something that is so much bigger than you that you have to get on your knees and say, oh God, give me the strength. Give me the courage. Four times, four times he tells a warrior who fought some battles to be strong and courageous. That messed me up. I thought Joshua was. How can you tell somebody that's fought some battles to be strong and courageous? This is the one that saw the promised land and came back with a good report that we are able. He was strong and courageous. Why are you telling him four times? Because he knows that the human default is fear. And that often in every warrior, there's also a wimp. Then many of us stand on the edge of faith and fear. Sometimes within minutes. <laughs> Am I the only one? Ever had a moment where you got so much faith, I can do anything. God, we can do this. And 15 minutes later, sometimes the enemy is in your ear saying, who did you think you were? You know you. And that's when I have to remind myself that he is with me. And I have to get in his word and meditate on it. That says, I am the head and not the tail. I am a victor. I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. All of us have to fight that voice of fear that we so easily go to. Be strong. Be courageous. Thou shalt move on. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.